Welcome to Are You Quizzing Me? I'm Manit Nair with my co-host Aditya Kashyap. This is a quizzing trivia podcast show. Join us as we dive deep into history, science, sport, pop culture and so much more. Let's get quizzing. And we're back for episode number 27. Uh, but before we start with today's proceedings, there's the small matter of the audience question for this week. The question for you uh, listeners is, Sandwiches, bechamel sauce, beef stroganoff, nachos, Earl Grey tea, Battenberg cake, pizza margarita, and beef wellington. What do these all have in common? Stay tuned till the end of the episode to find out. Now going back to our oldest tradition on this podcast, we have a question from Aditya from last week that we have to listen to the answer to, or rather suffer through the answer to. I will put you out of your misery very quickly, Vineet. Uh, so the question last week was, just as in a helicopter, there is a Jesus nut, which is the Hail Mary, which is what you rely on when there is nothing else left, no other hope left. I asked, what would you do when there is no hope left in, a, in an aeroplane? And um, this is going to be a joke in Hindi, but I will try to translate it as well. In a four doors in दो आगे के द्वार और दो पीछे के द्वार और अगर कोई भी द्वार ना खुले देन यू रिलाई अपॉन हरिद्वार एंड दैट लेडीज एंड जेंटलमैन ऑफ द हिंदी स्पीकिंग कम्युनिटी वाज माय जोक फॉर द डे एंड फॉर एनीबॉडी हु डजंट स्पीक हिंदी हरिद्वार इज एक्चुअली अ रिलीजियस प्लेस एंड एंड सम प्लेस वेयर पीपल गो स्पेशली व्हेन दे हैव लॉस्ट समवन डियर टू देम टू पे देयर रिस्पेक्ट्स so i guess that's what i'm saying when you have no dwars left no doors left you go to haridwar let's move on very quickly past that joke let's pretend that the pain we are no, suffering no let's is... not let's let's run let's run let's get on a plane and get away from that joke i aditya it's your turn this week to start off the proceedings already which country once upon a time had the third largest inventory of nuclear weapons in the world and today has none so they went from being the third largest to zero the ob- okay that's the obvious suspects for the number one and number two are obviously the us and uh, the ussr uh, the soviet russia given that your uh, question says that this these people uh, these but this particular country does not have any nuclear weapons now leads me to suspect it's not one of the other suspects that i would uh, think of something like israel or uh some of the other countries which officially don't have any programs but i'm fairly sure that they do, they do have nuclear weapons so i'm going to guess that this is going to be one of the former uh soviet socialist republics i i can't even i don't even know what to say beneath <laughs> at this point like i feel like i come up with questions and i think of the hints that i would give and then you just don't don't need any of it you i feel like next time you're just going to predict my questions before i even say them you're going to complete my questions for me you're very much on the right track you're on the right track yeah but, the right but there are so uh, so it's one of the stands i'm um, my first guess is going to be uzbekistan uh, no, because not. of the okay so no the baikonur is in uzbekistan right that was their space program that's why i guess that first sure but no it's Then not uzbekistan it's not uzbekistan Kazakhstan was it a part of that no wait i'm not sure not kazakhstan either belarus okay so let me help you a little bit so you <laughs> were obviously on the right track 
Yeah. The only hint that I would give at this point is that it's ironic that they gave up all of their nuclear arms. It's Ukraine. Arms. It's Ukraine. <laughs> it's Ukraine. I thought of Ukraine first, but then I wasn't completely sure. Uh, I, I was. I think I was confusing Ukraine with Poland at that point. I was like, was it part of the USSR? Was it not part of the USSR? So I was having it. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Ukraine. Hmm. Ukraine was very much a part of USSR. Ukraine was where more than 3,000 nuclear warheads were stored right around mm-hmm. the time of the USSR splitting up. And so when USSR did split up and Ukraine became an independent country, they were the third largest in terms of nuclear arms in the world, country to possess nuclear arms after, the U- after Russia and the United States of America. Interestingly enough, they did sign the Non-Proliferation Treaty, which meant that they gave up their nuclear weapons. And uh, it was under the condition that their boundaries would be respected. And I guess people have very short-term memories, <laughs> especially yeah. certain Russian autocrats <laughs> and leaders. Yeah, we're not going there. We're not going there. The last <laughs> thing we want is uh, to be in the targets of Russian hackers. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. No, but uh, the interesting fact, now that you mentioned the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, uh, if again you may have to fact check this, but if I remember correctly, do you know what particular episode uh, or what particular event prompted the uh, countries to you know start thinking of a nuclear non-proliferation treaty? Oh, I would imagine. I was first going to say Cuban Missile Crisis, but no, that does not make sense. I would say one of the events where, and I know there have been a few, where accidentally there was some reading which went wrong in their in their uh, radars and whatnot and they were going to accidentally launch a nuclear strike on their enemy i think it was either the us or russia and somebody who was right at the forefront that soldier or general or whoever it was they decided not to even though they've gotten orders to so i'm assuming it's one of those instances actually no so again as i mentioned this is just a vague memory i have but if i remember correctly it was india so India's oh. explosion, a test explosion of an atomic bomb at Pokhran under uh, Prime Minister Indira Gandhi was one of the one of the fueling factors towards uh, the West deciding enough is enough. We need a, a non-proliferation treaty. Something they are very oh, good wow. at, you know. They start the race, and then when somebody yeah. starts to catch up, they are like, no, 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 no more racing, no more racing. That is rude. They were all happy <laughs> doing their <laughs> explosions all over Bikini at all. And just because yeah. we chose Pokhran and we decided to do it now, no more. Oh, it's not cool anymore. Wow. Rude, US. <laughs> Your turn, Vineet. So let's go from uh, nuclear weapons to chemical weapons. Although World War II so, saw no British mustard gas attacks, World War I did. Thus, respiratory masks were introduced in response to these kind of chemical weapons. A certain fact often questioned was discovered through the account of one Alexander Moritz Frey, a young medical assistant at the Bavarian Infantry Division during World War I. A pale, tall man tumbled down into the cellar after the first shells of the daily evening attacks had begun to fall, fear and rage glowing in his eyes. At that time, he looked tall because he was so thin. I'm leaving out the rest of the quote. Okay. Now, what I want you to understand is that these masks uh, prohibited certain kinds of facial adornments and facial hair. Uh, 
So this was the reason behind what particular fashion followed by what particular individual. I know I've made it extremely vague. So let me just recap it for you. During World War One, chemical weapons were introduced, mustard gas, you had to wear respirators, right? So there is this very famous individual with a very famous kind of fashion, hmm, which we came to know was due to the use of these respiratory masks during World War One. And what I read to you was one of the quotes from that person's account. My question is, who's the individual and what's the fashion choice? So the person being spoken of is not the gentleman in question. The, the person being spoken of is the person whose fashion choice I'm asking about. Oh, okay. Not the person who's doing the speaking. No, no, no. But we know this from this person's account. Like Alexander Moritz Frey, he's the one doing the speaking. It's his quote that I read. We know about this uh, because of this person's account. That this person's okay, so fashion choice was because of the masks used during World War I for... Uh, so when you say World War I, I am tempted to say Hitler and his moustache, but you also described the person as being tall which Hitler decidedly was not. I don't think Hitler was very short. Because the answer is Hitler. You are right, it is Hitler. I'll read you the entire quote. Yeah. A pale tall man tumbled into the cellar after the first shells of the daily evening attacks had begun to fall. Fear and rage glowing in his eyes. At that time, he looked tall because he was so thin. A full moustache, which had to be trimmed later because of the new gas, gas mask, Covered the ugly slit of his mouth. I see. So, okay, and he it's looked from tall that because he was. Yes, uh, that's part of the quote. So, uh, because we now know that uh, his uh, particular mustache style was because he had to wear the gas masks. And before that, he had a much longer mustache. So, people always wondered as to why Hitler wore those, wore that particularly ugly style of mustache. It was survival which right. prompted him to do it first. Oh, but that man used survival to justify a lot worse things than just a weird mustache. <laughs> mm, very true. Just, very true. Just, just Hitler things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So since we're talking about the early 19th century, wow, I love how our segues are going so smoothly today. 20th <laughs> century. Early... Ah, I was speaking with... <laughs> I was speaking of the early 20th just, century. Just when No, I am also speaking of the early 20th, 20th century. I just <laughs> misspoke. Okay. Yes, misspoke. Yeah. yeah. So technically, the segue works. Since we are talking mm. about mm. the early 20th century, here's my question from around the same time period. Okay. This year is going to be 100 years since X was born. X has been described as, quote, ideal Japanese citizen uh-huh. and also, quote, having unquestioning devotion. There have been three movies made, a Japanese version in 1987, an English version in 2009, and also a Chinese version recently. Who is this X that I speak of? Ideal Japanese citizen. Correct. And 100 years ago, as in 1923 then? November 1923 is when X was born. So okay. it'll be 100 years since he was born in this November. Hmm. 
you know, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there are many people who fit that bill because Japanese uh, people are notoriously long-lived. A lot of them live about the age of 100. But uh, I don't think that many of them have movies named after them. Let me clarify, this person is not alive anymore. Okay. Right. Let me repeat that. Let me repeat that. Let me clarify, X is not alive anymore. <laughs> I'm guessing it's a fictional character then. But then, uh, is it a fictional character? Can you give me that? Or do I have to keep uh, guessing on that? No, it's not a fictional character. Okay. And a movie was made, a Japanese movie, followed by an English in one in 2009. Yes. And followed by a Chinese one. Yes. Now, that's really surprising because China and Japan do not get along historically and otherwise as well. And somebody born in 1923 would have been born right in the middle uh, of uh, Chinese-Japanese hostilities during the 1930s. Is it one of those uh, survivors of both atom bombs? Uh, I forgot. His. There are many of them, but I, 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 is, is it, am I anywhere close? No. No. And when was the Japanese movie released? The Japanese movie, the Japanese movie was released in 1987. The English one in 2009. And the Chinese okay. one was released in 2023. Okay, I'm going to need some other clue. Of course. There is a very famous statue devoted to X. Wait, uh, describe the person again. Ideal Japanese? Ideal Japanese citizen. Unquestioning uh-huh. devotion. Okay. I will give you one more hint. The Chinese tagline for the movie is translated to I will wait for you no matter how long it takes. Oh, yes. This is the, uh, this is the dog. Um, what is it? No, no, not Hibachi. No, what? Uh, this is the Richard <laughs> Gere movie, right? No, no. What is this? Uh, no, wait. <laughs> Hachi? No, Hochi? No, I'm sorry. I'm butchering. This. Okay, I'm going to get hate mail oh, from God. people now. I would, no, I would have corrected you earlier except I was just laughing so hard at Hibachi. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? You, I can't fault you also because you got the first letter right. It's Hachiko. <laughs> Hachiko, uh, yes. And that's Hachiko. the name. <laughs> this is the dog who used to wait for his master after he passed away at the railway station or something, right? That's right. That's right. And okay. uh, Hibachi is, by the way, a heating device. <laughs> a grill. <laughs> it's a grill. <laughs> it's used in cooking, so it's <laughs> the worst possible <laughs> Connection your brain could have made. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> it's like just naming a dog Tandoor. Like it just <laughs> making That's things so really funny. worse for the dog. <laughs> okay, yes. No, but let oh, me God. let me just clarify. And very well done. You got it pretty quickly. I thought I would have to give you more hints. Uh Hachiko is the name of the dog. There have been multiple movies okay. made. A Japanese one. You were right. It's a Richard Gay movie in 2009 that yeah. came out. Uh, and there was a recent Chinese film as well. And further descriptions, by the way, of this, of Hachiko, include loyal, reliable, obedient to a master, understanding without relying upon rationality, their place in the larger scheme of things. Hachiko, for anybody who might not know, is this famous story of a dog who, once their owner died, still went and waited for them at the same train station where they used to come while they were alive every day, nine years after that person passed away. So for nine years, the dog still went back to that same station and waited. And now at that station, there is a very famous statue of this dog. 
Mexico, which I have seen, by the way, and uh, it's a very cute statue, and I imagine the dog was very cute as well. Oh. Okay, that was a great question. Uh, you you really had me going there with I was my mind was going in all different directions until you know the last clue. Let me just uh, shift to something a little uh, more related to business. X is a model village on the south side of Birmingham, England, best known for its connections with the Cadbury family and chocolate. 120 acres of land was bought by George Cadbury on which a model village was built. Designed by resident architect William Alexander Harvey, the houses were traditional in design but with large gardens and modern interiors. These were for the employees who worked in the Cadbury factory located there. As Cadbury himself was a Quaker, no public houses or pubs were ever built in X. The district surrounding the factory has been dry for a hundred years or more, with no alcohol being sold in pubs, bars or shops, and with residents constantly fighting to maintain this. Name the town X. Interesting. So, related to the Cadbury factory... No public buildings you mentioned and no alcohol. Uh, no, so basically public houses or publicans which are called pubs. Basically that's where pubs come oh. from. Okay. All right. Oh, wow. New fact that I did not know. Okay, great. So no pubs and no alcohol. and But there were houses for people to live. There were schools and, and other things. Basically everything. And the houses sounded... And the houses sounded kind of fancy. You said something about the glass. Yes, they were. They were. Yeah, they were designed by architect William Alexander Harvey. Traditional designs, but with large gardens and modern interiors. Very progressive yeah. for the time. Which time frame are we talking about? Let's say this was in the century prior to the twentieth, so around the nineteenth century, late nineteenth century. But the name is something you would be familiar with. I'm trying to think of Cadbury products that I would know. So my first instinct mm-hmm. was to say dairy milk, which obviously doesn't sound like <laughs> the right answer. No. So the next thing I'm going to say is, is Eclairs Cadbury? No. Eclair? It no. is Cadbury though. <laughs> I think Eclairs is Cadbury though, right? No, Eclairs are actually a kind of uh, pastry. The dessert. dessert. Yeah, it's a pastry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow, this just reminds me I've not had chocolate in a very long time because I can't think of Cadbury products right now. Uh, for okay. those who don't know, Aditya is a bit of a fitness freak. <laughs> but I'm also a massive sweet tooth. So <laughs> within every man, there resides a wolf. An angel and a devil on and his I, shoulder. I would say two wolves, one of whom wants to have six-pack abs, <laughs> the other wants to eat really sweet stuff. <laughs> okay. I'm drawing a blank, but am I on the right path? Uh, is it something to do with a Cadbury yes, product? I would, yes, yes, I, I would. I, I would advise you to uh, think of Cadbury products, which may have names that sound like a place. So I will have to make guesses and for that I probably need a clue. So am I in the chocolate space or is it some other... You're in the chocolate space. Okay. I would say oh, think of the premium chocolate space. Oh, is it Bourneville? Yes, it is Bourneville. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, you said premium and that's where it struck me. Because I was just thinking, Cadbury Silk and Silk does not sound like the name of a town. <laughs> Weird yeah. name for a town, Silk. The town is called Bourneville and it's one of the first model uh, villages built around a factory. And uh, it's again a fascinating story, a long story with a lot of and turns in it, which I will relate in a mini-episode coming forward. 
because it, I will not be able to give it enough justice if I'm going to just rush through the details in the next two minutes. But uh, rest assured, uh, ladies and gentlemen listening to this podcast, that you will hear more about Bourneville coming in. The- That's right, because I am very excited to hear our mini episodes. We have recorded a few. We shall be releasing them very soon. I am quite excited. I, actually, we'll be releasing we... one with this episode. We'll be releasing one with this episode as well. It'll be on the same day as uh, this episode. How exciting could your Thursday get? I mean, I don't know what else. Do you have planned on Thursday? I suggest cancelling all of it and just devoting your time to our podcast. Now that was, was cheesy. That that was cheesy to the max. That was like one of those big cheese wheels at Virat Kohli's restaurant. Come on, man. People will listen. <laughs> we don't need to be cheesy. <laughs> just, just trying. I'm trying really hard here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Your turn. Speaking of the UK and stories that you perhaps want to release in a short episode later, this satisfies both those criteria. So I'm going to get here. And this will be one of the types of questions we haven't done, I realized. It's a connect question. So, I believe, I believe this might be a slightly tough connect if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's just such a fun little fact that I had to do a question on it. Okay. Okay. Hit me. So, connect these three things. Tech when, who wants to be a millionaire, trans frontier. You know what? I'm going to throw in a fourth. I'm going to throw in a fourth. Trademarks. Uh, That's part of this list. Not a clue. Yes. no, no, it's not a clue. Trademarks. I mean, technically, every Connect list member yeah. is a clue. So, <laughs> yeah. so call it a clue, call it a Connect. Okay, so the first the first option okay. that you mentioned is TechWen. Uh, how do you spell that? Just to... So that I can T-E-C-W-E-N. understand what word W-E-N. It's the name of a person. Oh, that clears it up. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, like, I, I, I think you were expecting, like, oh, Tequen, like, he's the no, no, I've never heard of this fellow. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire? What was the third option? Trans Frontier. That's right. Is Trans Frontier um, a game? No, Trans Frontier Limited is actually in the space of pharmaceuticals. Who wants to be a millionaire? Trademarks. Tequen and a pharmaceutical. So there's a guy named Tequen, trademarks in general, who wants to be a millionaire and pharmaceuticals. Yes. Is it anything to do with the the quizzing scandal where uh, there was a major child, somebody who came and uh, cheated using coughing on who wants to? I don't know what the connect oh. is, but, but... I, am, I am sufficiently impressed. <laughs> Color me sufficiently impressed, Vineet. Because I really did not expect you to get there so quickly. I was going to give you one more hint. Let me give, okay. give you that hint. But you have no, already but give me the connect. This is just a guess. I have no idea how this connects to anything. You, you have connected it. Well, even if you haven't gotten exactly how that connects. Tequen Relief with the logline, one answer, one choice. Okay, so let me tell you exactly what this is. And I will expound upon this in a short episode sometime okay. in the next few weeks. There was a cheating scandal in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire back in 2001. Yeah. There was this individual, Major Charles Ingram. Ingram, yes. Who was participating and was assisted by somebody in the audience called Tequen Wittok. Okay, so he's the guy, he was the guy who was coughing. Okay. 
Tekwin would cough every time the right answer was said out loud. And that's how apparently Ingram got to a million dollars. Now, a couple of days after this whole cheating scandal blew up and then there was a court case and whatnot, Transfrontier, a pharmaceutical company, decided they wanted to release a cough syrup and they wanted to call it Tequen Relief. <laughs> Tequen Relief was supposed to be branded as one answer, one choice. <laughs> the one <laughs> solution for your coughing, apparently. <laughs> this individual, Tequen Vitok, was so taken by this idea, sorry, rather than taken, was so annoyed at this idea, apparently, that he decided to trademark his own name just so that nobody else could use it. And uh, that's how this never came to be, that that cough solution never came to be. But Tequin Relief was, for the briefest of moments, going to be one of the best possible outcomes of a cheating scandal that I've ever heard of. Oh, the my. Cough syrup. <laughs> there is a, there is a uh, I think, a, a, a mini-series, a three-episode mini-series of this. I don't remember the name, but I remember it. I, I remember Major Charles, that name Ingram from that particular, watching that particular series. And uh, I my other guess, my first guess in this entire round was when you told me Tequen was a person, I was like, okay, then maybe who wants to be a millionaire and trans frontier are both games, in which case this guy has won both of them or something like that. But then he told me it's a pharmaceutical company. <laughs> and the only other thing I could think about for who wants to be a millionaire is, okay, chalo, this might be something to do with the... It was a wild you, guess. You, I will not take credit you, for it, but it was a very wild oh, guess. Oh, no, no, you should, you should. That was a wonderful <laughs> wild guess if it was one. And it is just such a fun story to read. No, and it the is. Fact it that is, this man had to trademark his own name, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. <laughs> no, not just that. The, the entire uh, lead up to this cheating scandal... It is just fascinating. Uh, yes, I will be very looking forward with bated breath for that mini episode. Coming very soon. Yeah. All right. Your turn, Manit. Okay. So well, let's stay in the UK. Let's stay in the UK. Flower of Scotland is a Scottish song frequently performed at special occasions and sporting events as an unofficial national anthem of Scotland. The song was composed in the mid-1960s by Roy Williamson of the folk group The Corries. It was first heard publicly in a 1967 BBC television series. Although there is no official national anthem of Scotland, Flower of Scotland is one of a number of songs which are used along with the older Scotland the Brave. However, some believe that the song should not be used as a national anthem because it cannot represent Scottish culture to the fullest extent, despite being anti-English. Why specifically do they feel it's a poor choice? Yeah, I have no clue to begin with, but let me just try. Something very, very stupid. Is it just because the flower of Scotland implies that there is a flower, and Scotland is a cold country, so I'm just guessing that flowers wither away, and so they don't want to associate that imagery or maybe half the year they don't have flowers. It's not It's not anything to do with the composition of the lyrics or the meaning of the song. They don't want it because of a more practical reason. A silly, but you could understand why they wouldn't want to do, have that song. Scots speak English only, right? I was just going to say, is it like because... Yes, they is... speak a version of English. As in their uh, accent is extremely difficult to understand unless you're Scottish. <laughs> 
so yeah but it's still english in a different accent so yeah it's not even the language concern no but i uh, again we'll have to fact check this but i do think the scots and the irish do speak different variations of gaelic as well i so i know welsh is definitely something that is spoken in small yes. parts welsh is english without the vowels i'm guessing and much longer words <laughs> perhaps i have to <laughs> that was a joke Oh, that okay. was a joke. <laughs> I, I do it seriously, Vineet. You can't say no. stuff like that on a trivia podcast. <laughs> okay, already. Uh, so language is not the concern in this case as well. It's not the language. Were the Coreys an English group by any chance? No, it's not. It's nothing to do with that either. It's nothing to do with its origins. It's nothing to do with the content of the song, nor the language of the song, nor the lyrics of the song. But they feel that it can't. represent scottish culture intrinsically it is inab- unable to represent scottish culture to its fullest extent people aren't drunk when they're singing this and not drunk on scotch whiskey <laughs> no. i don't know what, <laughs> i don't know much okay. about scottish I'll, I'll give you i'll give you a clue i'll give you a clue this is a this is a question way out of left field i had no expectations of anybody being able to answer this uh, <laughs> but i would suggest you think musically musically speaking it can't represent scottish scotland to uh, the fullest extent oh okay is it because they don't have bagpipes in the song you're almost there if you want to modify your answer a little bit nobody's wearing a kilt and playing bagpipes <laughs> <in the song>. <laughs> <laughs> no i'll give it to you i'll give it to you see the thing is it can't be played on a bagpipe oh okay what well, <laughs> okay so, <laughs> It contains a flattened seventh note, which cannot be produced by bagpipes. Oh, okay, okay. So it simply cannot be played properly with bagpipes, and it's heresy to think that a national anthem of Scotland cannot be played on a bagpipe. <laughs> it reminds me of a joke from one of the TV shows. I rem- I believe it was Arrested Development, and uh, the one of the characters is in a band which plays on bagpipes, and this guy has gone to watch. a perform and he's like i'm not sure if that was good music played badly or bad music <laughs> being played really well because <laughs> he just could not appreciate bagpipes and i got to say i i i don't know much about much about scottish culture and i'm sure it's a great country and with great people but my god bagpipes <laughs> i just am not able to appreciate those funnily enough i am i'm of the opposite camp uh, mainly because we had a school band uh which had bagpipes so i actually had friends who learned to play the bagpipe because <laughs> it was part of the school band Sorry, and that, we had a bandmaster that uh, sentence is an oxymoron vinith if they had <laughs> friends that they didn't need to learn the bagpipes <laughs> don't, don't, those two things don't coincide <laughs> oh that's so insulting that's so <laughs> insulting to all band people to everybody who's ever played in a band no but Uh, yeah, so we had one of those traditional kind of military bands, uh, and we had a, a bandmaster who was from the uh, Indian Army, who's retired from the Indian Army. So he was the one who set up the entire thing, and maybe because I was exposed to it at a young age, I, but I've always had a soft spot for uh, bagpipe music. Interesting. It's got a certain kind of melancholy, almost um, bittersweet. tone to it i've always felt it's never uh, i mean you can play happy tunes on it obviously but there's always some kind of underlying sadness which i feel is like a metaphor you know oh even from the even so, if when you're playing a 
really happy tune even the best happiness and the best comedy comes from pain you know something like that i'm waxing ah. philosophical at midnight over here i will i will make that connection more obvious to our indian listeners bagpipes are like the arijit singh of instruments like you give them whatever <laughs> song there is always that pain <laughs> that emotional pain in that voice it doesn't matter how you realize he's got a lot of fans right <laughs> i i'm saying he's a great singer he brings pain into the most simple of lyrics as well i love it i'm a big arijit singh fan i'm not i'm not uh, okay shitting on arijit singh at all <laughs> all right okay your turn i do not have a segue for this question so let's just jump right into it and you're going to love it because it's sports vineet Oh okay god very simple question the live golf series has how many holes in it wait what the live golf you mean live golf live oh, so liv golf is actually oh, a new okay. golf league that has come up very recently okay it is funded almost entirely by the royal family of saudi arabia and it came up almost in opposition with the pga which is what was the established golf yeah. body arnold palmer and, and all those people yeah everybody who knows anybody anybody who knows anything about golf knows that pga is where the actions at but now live golf yeah. is also this upstart which is trying to do things in a new and interesting way there are a lot okay. of fun things that they're trying to do including like having people watch and cheer along so they're making it more lively and interesting in those ways they're also how do you cheer golf abandoning... I, don't ask me i've never watched golf too, so i have no clue how anybody watches golf also in the first place but uh, for those of them who do apparently you can and they're also abandoning the whole like attire of being very sophisticatedly dressed and stuff but anyways all of that okay. is besides the point my question was very simple how many holes are to be played at these events my first guess would be to give the obvious answer which is uh, like every other golf course there'll be 18 holes but i'm guessing you're going to say of course it's not 18 <laughs> it is not that it is not the answer okay so then i'd say that they would have made it a t20 kind of version which would put it at 9 holes no so do you want me to keep guessing every number between 1 and 18 are you going to give me a clue <laughs> So the thing is any clues is just going to give you the answer so I'm trying to think of a good clue okay. all right the answer is in the name okay uh 54 54 is the answer <laughs> live liv in roman numerals is 54 54 and that refers to the number of holes that are to be played at live events 54 holes are to be played at live events and that's where live golf gets its name so from. like so that's that's like three full courses then 18 into 3 Yes. Mm. And they're playing this in Saudi Arabia? No, not necessarily. They're doing it in multiple places across the world. It's just oh, sponsored okay. by the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia. And that's why they call it Live Golf because of the number of holes, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if they wow. came up with the name first or the format. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what I was trying to figure out, you know, did they came come up with it and then they were decided or somebody was being exceedingly clever and was like live and live golf like live golf, live golf. <laughs> well, it could have gone either ways, but I just found that to be interesting that this golf league. It is an interesting fact. So, uh, so uh, just just out of curiosity, do they play all 54 holes on the same day? 
oh boy you are asking somebody who has no idea how to play a single hole on a on a golf course i i played I, a lot I, of golf on my phone uh, to be honest i i enjoy playing <laughs> golf on my phone no so you are you are perhaps much more of an expert than i am then at this point <laughs> so i have no idea i will try to fact check that for later but for my questions purpose all i can tell you is that there are 54 holes to be played at these events okay that's a great question something but it was a great clue frankly uh, the, the number is in the name itself for a second <laughs> i was stumped but then i remembered l for yeah so great question i am going to move uh, to italy not me personally my question is going to move to italy <laughs> In July 2016 a justice of the US Supreme Court was summoned to a South European city to preside over a mock appeal of an old verdict between X and Y on the 500th anniversary of the foundation of arguably the world's first ghetto in the city After 2 hours of arguments and 20 minutes of deliberations the revamped verdict was to restore back the property and religious freedom to x although what he required in the original trial was not promised to be given as for y who was declared as a fraudster she was sanctioned by having to attend law degrees at universities where the other two judges taught who was x and y what okay i'm just going <laughs> to what <laughs> okay yes so i'm going to repeat the question I'm going to repeat the question let me just put it this down so in July of 2016 a justice of the US Supreme Court was summoned to a South European city I'm giving you a clue in the beginning itself it's in Italy they were the the Supreme Court justice was brought to the city to preside over a mock appeal of an old verdict between x and y after 2 okay. hours of arguments and 20 minutes of deliberations the revamped verdict was to restore back the property and religious freedom to x although what he required in the original trial was not promised to be given as for y who was declared as a fraudster she was sanctioned by having to attend law degrees at universities where the other two judges taught who were x and y okay maybe i didn't quite catch this part was this new verdict in opposition to the original verdict from 500 years ago yes it was it was it was the it was the almost the exact opposite of the original verdict so in the original verdict why one yes okay and you did use the pronouns he and she but are these people oh, or are they organizations <laughs> are they organizations by any chance i was also no no i am very particular about my pronouns no no as in like a she could also be like a country i don't know <laughs> or a ship okay. ownership yes all right no so we are talking <laughs> no but these people. are people these are people italy 2016 500 years ago that makes it 1516 um oh first instinct was to say galileo but no that doesn't make any sense no that's a great guess actually galileo and so then that would be the galileo and the vatican but i wouldn't yeah. be able to refer to the vatican as she she which is also what i was going to say is there some body of vatican which is referred to with the female pronoun and i don't think any yeah. the balls to declare the vatican vatican as a fraudster because <laughs> yeah, the, that would have to be a, a very very yeah. bold 
sort of an event or or a stance to take okay so 15 16 ah something that x required was not given y was declared to be a fraudster and was told and was supposed to attend law degrees yes she was sanctioned by having to attend law degrees at universities where the other two judges taught okay i'm going to give you a clue which may you may get you may not get but this is like just a very silly clue think ellen degeneres <laughs> Uh, nothing to do directly with this but tangentially uh, you may get a, an answer for this i have not followed ellen's career i am assuming it has something to do with some nothing to do with her career it's with her personal life actually ah again it's too obscure a clue i'm going to give you another one more uh, <laughs> how to solid clue yeah. a more solid more uh, substantial clue i would not look at historical figures for this in fact i wouldn't look at real people at all oh okay so we're talking about in some fictional character Wait, so was this fictional character created in the 16th century or or the character is from 16th century but perhaps created in a more modern time? I would go with your first guess. The this former. This character is 500 years old. Yes. From Italy. Oh god, I have Oh my god, I have no clue of literature from back then. I have a f- I am fairly sure that you at least have heard of these people maybe a given um, because I know what our education systems like so I would not uh you know bet my life on it but I'm fairly sure you of all people would have heard for this given your penchant for drama and the stage oh okay okay yeah. <laughs> sorry before you said all of these things the first thing that did occur to me was shakespeare i'm trying to think of um can't be romeo and juliet nope it, there's no, no court case in romeo and juliet that's true um hamlet is not in italy that's denmark the merchant of venice yes it is merchant of venice so then yeah. who's x and who's y oh wow i have i will be hard pressed to say these names off the cuff okay yeah. i will give it to you. you got the merchant of venice yes so x is shylock the jewish money lender Right. And why is Porsche? Porsche. Oh, P-O-R-T-I-A, Porsche. Porsche. Ellen. Okay, wife, now you get yeah. the connection to Ellen DeGeneres. Yes, yes. Her, <laughs> her wife's name is Porsche. Yes. So in the original, I'm going to give you the uh, two-second version. In the original, uh, Antonio says Antonio, who's uh, Porsche's uh, fiance, uh, is being uh, sued by Shylock, who insisted on count, you know, collecting a pound of flesh from him. Mm. Uh, Porsche. basically comes in disguised as a lawyer she's not an a lawyer she's actually posher disguised as a man finds shylock guilty of conspiring against antonio and rules that he must hand over half his property and the other half to the state antonio says that i will forgive you if you convert to christianity got it right if you convert to christianity and uh, give his estate to his rebellious daughter jessica who has run off with a christian boy Shylock mm. is humiliated but agrees. Now when yeah. we when they reran the case in 2016 uh they issued a unanimous ruling to remove the question of the pound of flesh uh to restore Shylock's property and to restore the 300 ducats that he had lent to Antonio and to nullify the demand of his conversion. Hence the religious oh. freedom aspect of it. Right right right. Right. and porsha was sanctioned by having to attend law school at the university of padua 
where one of the judges taught. There she would then she would have to pursue a Master of Laws degree at Wake Forest University, where another of the judges is a professor and dean. Now, I've mentioned all of this, right? Which US justice, Supreme Court justice, do you think they brought in for this case? <laughs> oh wow. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Bang on, it is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> <laughs> She she seemed like the fun types. <laughs> yes, yes. The notorious RBG. RBG. <laughs> yes. So I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, but uh, before we leave, we have the matter of Aditya's question for this week. Of course. Yes. And um, my question for this week is quite simply based off of the question that Vinita asked about the Scottish song. Which song would be the most inappropriate when it comes to India and its national anthem? Of course, we have a beautiful national anthem, so not taking that away. But in a parallel universe, if we didn't have a national anthem and we were trying to choose one, which would one, which song would be the single most inappropriate song for that? And the answer shall be revealed in the next episode. <laughs> yes, and for which we all wait with dread rather than bated breath. <laughs> Now uh, it's now time to come. Uh, it's now come time for us to finish this episode. But before we go, there's the matter of the audience question. Uh, the question, just to remind everyone, was sandwiches, bechamel sauce, beef stroganoff, nachos, Earl Grey tea, Battenberg cake, pizza margarita, and beef Wellington. What connects all these? Uh, Aditya, do you have any guesses? Oh, I do know this answer and I'm quite sad because you have taken three of my questions potentially that I could have asked in the future <laughs> by asking this question. Um, it has uh, to do with being named after people. Yes, exactly. Uh, these are all these were all named after people. Uh, just to have some fun with Aditya because we did spoil his question. So let's spoil his mood as well. <laughs> can you name can you name the characters or the people after whom each was named? So let's start with first one. It's the sandwiches were named after, you know, the Earl of Sandwich. Yes, specifically John Montague, fourth Earl of Sandwich. Bechamel sauce. I, I mean, I'm just going to assume uh, Mr. Bechamel. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it was the Marquis de Bechamel, steward to Louis the Fourteenth. Beef oh. stroganoff. Again, no idea, but. It was the Russian nobleman Count Stroganov. Nachos. That one I don't know. That was going to be one of my questions. Fun, fun fact. Uh, yeah, Nacho. The man Nacho. Nachos Especialis, I believe it was the name of the dish. And that's which yes. got shortened to Nachos. Yeah, so the, it was named after Ignacio Nacho Anaya, who was a Mexican chef. Earl Grey Tea. Uh, Earl Grey tea, I imagine. Uh, <laughs> the Earl Grey, the great Earl Grey. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> it was Charles Grey, the second Earl Grey. Uh, he was also the British Prime Minister. Okay. Battenberg cake. This one sounds very familiar, but no, I'm not able to recall right now. Yeah. The Battenberg cake is named after one of the Battenberg family. And uh, mm. do you know the connection of the Battenberg family to India? Oh, no, I don't know that. Okay. So the Battenberg family uh, obviously was of German extraction, but was based in England. And during World War One, when the when England was at war with Germany, uh, many families of you know uh, German extraction changed their name to sound more English. 
Uh, one of them was Sax Cobar Gotha, who became the Windsors. The Windsors. Yes, the British royal family. And similar to that, there was, a, there was the uh, Battenberg family who then became the Mountbattens. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, yeah, that exactly. Like so that's the India connection. Yes. So then Pizza Margareta was after Queen Margarita of Savoy, Queen Margarita. who was presented with this pizza in the colors of the Italian flag. And finally, Beef Wellington. Any ideas of Beef Wellington? Uh, again, familiar, but no, I'm not able to recall right now. Sir Arthur Wellesley, the first Duke of Wellington, the Iron Duke, the man who went toe-to-toe with Tipu Sultan, the man who beat uh, Napoleon on the battlefield at Waterloo. He himself is actually deserving of a completely separate mini-episode, which we will do at some time in the future. Fascinating character. Fascinating. But again, that's all for this episode. Uh, We've taken your time quite enough for this week. Uh, Aditya will be back after the... Uh, musical sting for the past, you know, fact check. In the meantime, thank you all for listening in. We hope you enjoyed the show and learned something new. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. You, we would also love to hear from you. Feedback, suggestions, trivia, sponsorships. You can reach us on Instagram at me. We appreciate your support and look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future. Thank you for tuning in. And that's all from me. Have a great day. See you guys next week. And here's the fact check for the episode. Baikonur is in Kazakhstan, not Uzbekistan. The non-proliferation treaty was launched in 1958 as a process. Codename Smiling Buddha the first nuclear device test in India happened much later in 1974. However, the Indian test did result in the formation of the Nuclear Suppliers Group, a group of nuclear supplier countries that seek to prevent proliferation by controlling the export of materials, equipment and technology that can be used to manufacture nuclear weapons. Hitler was 178 centimeters or 5 feet 8.5 inches tall. An average German man of a similar age in that time would have been 168 centimeters or 5 feet 5 inches tall. Hitler was by most accounts taller than average. Tequen Wittok was also a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and not an audience member. Scottish Gaelic is a language native to the Gaels of Scotland. The quote from Arrested Development regarding bagpipes is, It was hard to tell if it was good music, played horribly or horrible music played well. The 54 holes in Live Golf League are played out over three days. And that's all for the fact check.